Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. going on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 467 for your march 4th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your saturday evenings wherever you may be man we got a lot to get into tonight and it is revolution weekend it is revolution weekend and i'm sure you guys are Understanding of the fact that this show usually happens on a Sunday night. But it can happen on a Sunday night because AEW Revolution is tomorrow night. And Jesse and I will be live after the show goes off the air. It should be a banger pay-per-view, no doubt about it. I I, I have faith in Tony Khan when it comes to the pay-per-view deal. I think AEW does pay-per-view excellent. 
And there's some um, top-tier matches that are happening tomorrow night, all led by MJF and Brian Danielson for the AEW World Championship in a one-hour Ironman match. I can't wait to see what those two guys create. Should be one of the best matches of the entire year, no doubt about it. So that's the reason why we're live tonight. I know a lot of people are probably going to be heavily, heavily invested in the John Jones fight tonight. UFC 285, I believe, is happening tonight. But I appreciate those that are here with me, man. We're going to try and get through this, and it's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. So thank you guys for joining me on your Saturday nights. Please follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. As well, turn on that bell for notifications. Make sure you guys hit that join button as well. You guys want to be a part of the chat tonight, members only. You guys going to want to be a part of the debut of My Mother's Basement coming soon. We're going to be going underground, man. There's going to be a new extension built in the venue right underneath. My Mother's Basement coming in a few weeks, man. Hopefully ready for WrestleMania weekend. That debut night is going to be members only as well. So you guys can get in on that. Those are just some of the little perks happening. Plus, you get the emotes. Plus, you get the badges. So make sure you guys go and hit that join button. Become a VIP channel member right here on Off The Scripts. I was live last night for SmackDown. Also, on Wednesday with Jesse for Dynamite and the Go Home Show for Revolution. Monday, we were live as well. So make sure you guys go check out those streams. Tons of YouTube shorts are up on the channel. Uploaded three today. Go check all that stuff out. We're going to be talking about some of those topics today on the podcast as well. Hit that thumbs up. We're going to need 200 and... uh, No, actually, we are looking at 300 likes right now. I'm going to need close to 1,000. That's what I usually like to go for, man. Let's try and get as close to 1,000 as possible here on the stream. I would really appreciate it. It helps me out tremendously. So if you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, I would really appreciate it. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out as usual towards the end of the show. I want to thank everybody that got some Super Chats in before we even hit the road tonight. And tonight's show sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go and check them out and get your free sample on me. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Anyway, man, let's get into the news. I want to start off light, and then we'll get into the good stuff, man, as usual. We start off light, we give you a little taste, and then we get into what we got going on as far as the news in WWE. King of the Ring. As you guys know, King and Queen of the Ring are happening. We are getting them in May, May 27th. There's another show that's happening on that weekend as well. Tony Khan usually has double or nothing happen that weekend. And WWE loves being petty. And they love stepping on the toes of Tony Khan. King and Queen of the Ring will indeed take place in Saudi Arabia. Not really a big fan of that. But if you guys understand why WWE does these things, they usually get comfortable in their own way. The last time we had the King and Queen's Crown Finals, 
King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown. I wish I could forget the Queen's Crown. It was absolutely atrocious. One of the worst tournaments I think I've ever seen and ever sat through. Uh, both of those finals actually took place in Saudi Arabia as well, and WWE will be will be repeating that again with the 2023 versions of the King and Queen of the Ring. So it is now official. It is now confirmed. Saudi Arabia, May 27th, and that will be happening that weekend, Memorial Day weekend. PW Insider noted that the current plan is for the event to take place in Riyadh, but those plans obviously can still change, but that is locked in as of now. I don't know what WWE was going to do as far as the tournament. You know, normally I like, normally I like when WWE does the entire tournament in one night. I feel like it's a little bit more prestigious that way. I don't know how Triple H is going to go about it. Will we get qualifying matches that lead into the tournament? I don't know. I hope that there is a qualifier sequence to get names in the tournament. Four from Raw, four four from SmackDown. Same thing for the ladies. And then we get those matches playing out on Raw and SmackDown. It's not the worst idea because it actually gives Raw and SmackDown some meaning. And it gives Raw and SmackDown some importance. So I don't really mind that. But WWE is going to have a little bit of a tricky situation. Do they just do the finals like we saw last time? Do we get the semifinals and then the finals? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what WWE does. But I would say split them up. Let's get the qualifying matches and then get the first round. And then we'll do the second and finals, the the third and fourth rounds in Saudi Arabia on the pay-per-view. I think that's a nice medium. So we'll see what happens there. But that is official. So if you guys were wondering when and where the next Saudi show was going to be, May 27th, King and Queen of the Ring. So we are getting that for WWE on May 27th, Memorial Day weekend. Sonia Deville. Sonia Deville was arrested for gun possession in Atlantic City at the Borgata. Quite interesting. I, uh, I'm very familiar with that little, uh, that little area there. Sonia Deville was arrested for gun possession in Atlantic City outside the Borgata Hotel, Casino, and Spa. This is according to TMZ Sports. According to the Atlantic City Police Department, Deville cooperated with Borgata Hotel Security and admitted to owning a handgun that was found in her vehicle. Now, the thing is, she has a permit for the handgun, but the permit to carry the, hand, the handgun is not valid in New Jersey. It is only valid in Florida. Now, you guys know why Sonya Deville carries a concealed weapon with her because of what happened with her and Mandy Rose a few years back. This is according to TMZ Sports. And the incident occurred on February 19th. A valet found the weapon in Deville's glove department and called the police. DeVille was arrested and charged with one count of unlawful weapon possession, handgun without a... I don't know why that... Doesn't that sound weird to you? Why why the valet's going in the fucking glove department? I I don't really understand that. Maybe they knew who she was and they went snooping around. I I don't know why anybody's rummaging through your personal shit in the fucking... Just park the fucking car and give me my goddamn ticket and get the fuck out. Why are they rummaging through the glove department? I don't really get that. So, February 19th, DeVille was arrested and charged with one count of unlawful weapon possession, handgun without a permit. Sources close to the WWE and Sony DeVille have indicated that she acquired the weapon for personal protection after her home invasion and attempted kidnapping in 2020. She's due in court later this month 
And Fightful has indicated Sony is working on getting the charge thrown out. Fightful also reports that there is no heat on Sony Deville within WWE. The promotion is understanding of her decision to protect herself following the home invasion. She took time away, if you guys remember, in August of 2020, in which a female, uh, a male rather, a male, entered Sonya's home, and this was an attempted kidnapping. The perpetrator was charged with aggravated stalking, armed burglary of a dwelling, attempted armed kidnapping, and criminal mischief with DeVille granted a temporary injunction against stalking violence. I think this guy had, like, duct tape and other, other weapons of, uh, of whatever his choice were in his backpack at the time. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. So I'm glad. I don't even know. I don't even give a shit where that guy is now. But, I mean, that was a scary situation. I believe she was living at the time with Mandy Rose. Um, so I, I don't blame her for carrying some protection on herself or in her vehicle. Now, I'm still wondering about this, why, why the, the valet is rummaging through her glove compartment. I don't, I don't really understand that. I mean, I never heard of such a thing unless they knew who she was and, and then found the weapon and then said, oh, shit. And, and, and being a valet, they, you know, they played it off as like, this gun was in the car. I got to do my job. I don't want to get fired and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. It's very weird to me that, that people are rummaging through somebody's, uh, a stranger's glove compartment. Ridiculous. But the thing is, Sonia owns a permit to own the gun. She has a permit to own a firearm, but it's not New Jersey law. So New Jersey actually prohibits the possession of a handgun in any place other than one's own property or place of business without a permit to carry the handgun. New Jersey requires any person seeking to carry a handgun to apply for a permit through the um, local law enforcement or through government in New Jersey. New Jersey lawmakers on December 19th of last year actually gave final approval to legislation overhauling rules, rules to get a firearm carry permit after this summer's U.S. Supreme Court ruling expanded gun rights. So this is going to be a non-issue. When she goes to court, this is going to be a non-issue. Uh, I believe that this will all be thrown out. Um, Florida is not the same as New Jersey and vice versa, but there are different rules here in New Jersey. Clearly, you need to go through uh, some extra steps to get that registered. She was allowed, she's allowed to own the gun. So that's, that, that deads the story right there. She, she has a permit for the gun. It's not like she's carrying a gun with no fucking paperwork behind it. And she's got every fucking reason to carry the weapon. But New Jersey, you got to go through extra steps if you want to maintain that level of safety for yourself and carry that firearm wherever you go. So this will be thrown out. This is a non-issue. Uh, people were making a big deal about this. Free Sonya Deville and all this other shit. WWE's not pissed. They should have no right to be pissed. Sony should have nothing to worry about. And she was there probably with her fiance. And that was it. They were probably celebrating their engagement. Sony just recently got engaged. Congratulations to her. And she was probably just living her life. And she got caught by some fucking geek who was snooping around in her car because he probably knew who she was and found the firearm. None of this would have been an issue if the fucking geek wasn't rummaging through her glove compartment. It's very bizarre to me, man. I don't, I don't know. This is why I don't do valet. I don't do valet. You never trust anybody, man. Gonna get thrown out. Gonna be a non-issue. Don't worry about it. And nothing's gonna happen to Sony as far as her WWE status. They know why she carries the firearm. And there is no heat on Sonya Deville for this incident. 
UFC's parent company, Endeavor, and their CEO. Endeavor is a potential buyer of WWE. Their CEO has commented on the potential interest in buying WWE. Now, Endeavor purchased UFC and kept Dana White on for over $4 billion. I don't know the exact uh, number that was where the UFC was bought by Endeavor. I don't know the exact number, around $4 billion or so. Last I read that Endeavor, if they wanted to buy WWE, they were going to need financial backing. They were going to need some help to get to the price that Vince McMahon is seeking at $9 billion for WWE with a market cap of $6.5 billion for WWE. So Vince is obviously overshooting the price if he's going to sell it. I mean, that's all the indication you need. That's all the indication you need. The WWE's market cap is $6.5 billion. Vince is asking for $9 billion. You know the first thing that I would ask when I read that article? Does Vince really want to sell at $9 billion? No. I don't think Vince wants to sell at $9 billion. I don't think Vince wants to sell at all. I'll get, I'll get to that in a second. Man. You, you guys know why Vince is leading the charge and selling the WWE. So Endeavor and their CEO have commented on this during a call with, I believe, uh, investors for Endeavor. Ari Emanuel is his name. The CEO of Endeavor was asked about the company's potential interest in the ongoing WWE sale pursuit. He said this, and I quote, As it relates to WWE, it's an unbelievable product. Vince is unbelievable. He's created a great business. We've had a longstanding relationship with them over two decades. We're doing, and as I indicated, the on-location business with them, the Endeavor streaming with them. You know, his business is really valuable, but we are not going to do anything as relates to changing our leverage position right now. End quote. Vince McMahon wants $9 billion. Earlier in the call, it was noted that Endeavor is going and doing what they need uh, as a company, is going to do and, and is going to seek, you know, to deleverage their debt, whatever debt that they have. This seems to imply that they are not seeking any additional debt to accumulate by purchasing WWE with Vince McMahon seeking a hefty $9 billion dollars for the WWE. So he says that his business is really valuable and they're not going to do anything as it relates to changing our leverage position now. Man, they're dropping like flies. There was only a handful of names that were interested in the WWE, Endeavor being one of them. Comcast was another, the, the parent company of NBC Universal. Amazon, they got their own fucking problems. They're not buying anybody. Netflix isn't buying anybody. Disney isn't buying anybody. Who's left? Tony Khan. You know who's left? Tony Khan and the fucking Saudis. That's who's left. You know, a lot of people are looking at this and they're not really making a big deal about it. And and I love reading stories like this, man, because when all this was happening, when all these news articles were coming out about Vince leveraging himself back into power and but basically eliminating the board of directors and swinging the power of the board of directors through, uh, through whichever way he did to swing in his uh, favor and his, in his direction. 
Nobody was really picking up on all the things that I was picking up on. Everybody wants to be overly analytical about business and numbers and fucking earnings and all this other shit. I don't give a fuck about that. That's not my forte. I don't give a shit about that. But I mean, you got to be a blind motherfucker to see that Vince McMahon is not doing this for the sale of the company. It was never about the sale of the company. Never. Vince McMahon has leveraged his way back into the company because he doesn't want to sell the company. Vince McMahon leveraged his way back into the WWE because he knew if he went through the steps that he did to get to where he is today, then he would have a chance to regain power back the way that he had it before he was forced to retire. That is all that this means. Is WWE going to be sold? Apparently, according to Nick Khan, it'll take about three months and they got suitors lined up. So if WWE is ready to sell the company, that brings us to about WrestleMania weekend. Somewhere after WrestleMania. Sounds like a nice event to announce the sale of the company, but I don't see the company being sold unless Vince wants to do the fucking most outlandish thing ever and sell to the Saudis. Does Vince really want to sell to the Saudis? I don't think Vince can be that fucking stupid. Or maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe he is that stupid. Vince probably knows the Saudis would pay more than what he's asking for just to own the company, and they don't know any better, and they'd appoint him as the fucking head of everything. Because that's all they know. That's all they know is Vince McMahon. Is he that stupid to do that? Only time will tell. But out of everybody in the the IWC, no matter who you listened to, legitimately, you can listen to anybody. There wasn't one outside of me. Maybe maybe Jesse was one. Maybe Solomon Monster was the other. They know. I mean, us, we, we know. But you listen to these other shill podcasts, not one from day one was saying it's not about the sale of the company. It's like, it's like they don't want to say anything that's out of line. Vince McMahon is out of line. The man should be in fucking prison. I don't give a fuck what I say about Vince McMahon. The man doesn't belong where he is right now. It's not about the sale of the company. It's not about the sale of the company. Stephanie McMahon knew. That's why she got out of there. Poor Triple H. What a fucking disgrace. How they treat Triple H. Triple H is a fucking punching bag. That's all he is. What is he going to do? What is he going to do? He knows exactly what's coming. Triple H knows exactly what's coming. Stephanie McMahon got out. It wasn't that easy for Triple H to get out. Otherwise, I think he would have gotten out. They appointed him head of creative. They appointed him head of talent relations, right? He's in charge of everything. He's in charge of the roster. Poor Triple H, the fucking punching bag bag that he is, he is probably going to have everything undone again when the time comes. So not only did Vince McMahon kill NXT Black and Gold and everything that Triple H did, driving him to have a fucking heart attack, then you got this situation, and Vince McMahon is potentially going to undo basically everything again. Punching bag. I feel so bad for Paul Levesque. I really do. Because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. And no, Tony Khan is not buying the company. And no, Tony Khan is not saving us from Vince McMahon's, uh, you know, greed and the deviance of Vince McMahon. No. 
Now, Tony Khan is not buying WWE, nor will Vince ever sell to Tony Khan or Shad Khan or, or any of the Khans, really. Give me a break. Tony Khan could have all the money that he, that he, that he desires, man. He could have uh, all the money in the world. And he's not buying WWE because Vince is not selling. He can't even run his own fucking companies the right way. He's going to buy WWE and do what? And do what? Though it would be kind of funny if Tony Khan was actually the boss of Triple H. I find that to be quite humorous. I don't know, man. You guys got to wisen up. People in the community got to wisen up. It's not about the sale of the fucking company. It never was. And uh, this is just Vince McMahon weaseling his way back into potentially gaining ultimate power again. Will he sell to the Saudis? I mean, he's the, they're the only one left. They're the only one left. I don't know how stupid Vince McMahon is, but I guess we'll find out in the allotted three months that Nick Khan says a deal could be done. Keep it on the Vince McMahon hate train. You know, I'm still waiting for my apologies. I'm still waiting for my apologies that I know I will never see the light of day. Vince McMahon directly involved with Brock Lesnar and Omas at WrestleMania. Wow. Wow, man. All these UK geeks and the UK shills, wrestle geeks and cultaholic, dorkaholic, and fucking what culture, geek culture, Lewis Dangor, and all these other fucking geeks in the community. They want to rub elbows with WWE, yet they don't want to divulge what's really happening, man. You know what the Brock Lesnar and Omas situation really exposed? It really exposed people who don't really understand what's going on talking about something blatantly lying to their audience. That's what this situation really did, in my honest opinion, for the IWC. It exposed everybody who listens to those types of shows and they are absolutely lying to their audience. And the audience is stupid enough to not even pick up on it. You know who was right about all the Omas and Brock Lesnar thing? Who was it? I, I, I mean, who, who was it? Was it, uh, was it the guy that washes the dishes in the venue? Uh, what, what's his name? What's his name? Chad? What's his name? I, I don't know. Was it Jesse? No, Jesse didn't get it. Jesse agreed with me, though. What about Titus? He's in the kitchen. I don't, I don't know. Who, who got it right? I don't know. Who got it right? Who got it right? Me. That's who got it right. I got it right. Nobody says anything. Nobody said it. Oh, it can't be Vince. Everybody. Oh, you don't know that for sure. Oh, you don't have sources. Give me a fucking break. Uh, I got I to have sources now. I don't need fucking sources. Never did. What I've been telling you guys, watch the fucking show. Don't know how you listen to these nauseating content creators that lie to you every single week. Every single fucking week. They are so disingenuous with you. It's sickening to my stomach. It's disgusting. Watch the fucking show. You'll know exactly what's going on. It also exposes that they're not really a fan of what's going on here. 
They have no problem with it. Clearly, they didn't give a fuck, and they didn't know what Triple H did in NXT. That's another thing. Man. Oh, my God. I love 2.0. Oh, my God. I love I love 2.0, man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, why are you streaming in front of 70 fucking people on Tuesday night? You love NXT, right? You fucking break. Goes to show you that they didn't give a fuck about what Triple H did in NXT and that they're bullshit fan weather fans. How you're a fan of what's going on now and you don't have the fucking decency and the wherewithal to know that Triple H and what he did in black and gold, that is a Triple H move? <laughs> oh, man. Holy shit, man. Am I really, am I really the fucking ace that everybody in this chat thinks I am, man? Really, man. I love pat myself on the back, man. I'm going to glow up for a couple of seconds. Go fuck yourself if you got a problem with it, okay? Oh, man, I love it, man. I, I love it. So fucking great. Yes, Brock Lesnar and Omos was a Vince McMahon creative decision. What is there not to believe? The Triple H is capable of booking this type of garbage at WrestleMania of all shows. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Triple H has given us banger pay-per-views for the last five, six months. And you want me to believe that Triple H all of a sudden booked Omos for Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? <laughs> oh, man. Votes, man. I love Russell Votes, man. Whoever he is out there, man. Whoever they are. I don't know. It could be a, ba- a gang of people, man. Holy shit. I love them. They really made my week, man. Russell Votes made my week this week. Uh, and the funny thing is, Louis Dangore works with Russell Votes. He's out there saying Triple H made the change. The fuck are you talking about? Your own fucking colleague or colleagues made you look like a blithering idiot this week. Man. I love to see it, man. I love to see it. Russell Votes. Reports the idea for Brock Lesnar and Omos came from Vince McMahon. No shit. No shit. The sky is blue. The sun fucking sets and, and, and rises every week, every day. Give me a fucking break. Russell Vogt's Twitter account broke several big stories in the past, sent this tweet out this week. I'm told the highly anticipated, very compelling, even they're calling it bullshit, Highly anticipated and very compelling Brock Lesnar-Zomas match was the idea of one specific powerful person who pushed it through, and then he leaves a Vince McMahon picture in the tweet. No shit. No shit. Oh, this is not a Triple H match. This is not a Vince McMahon match. You fucking break. You fucking kidding me. You want the right information. You want what's on happen. You want you want what's happening on TV. You come here. Hopefully, you guys have understood that and now uh, now have taken that information and apply it to future events that happen when uh, this situation happens again. Now you know. Now you know. Highly compelling. Highly compelling. I'm sure the 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 Shill podcasts would uh, use that terminology. Highly competitive match. It's going to be highly competitive. Uh, compelling. It's going to be great. Omos is gonna, it's gonna do wonders for Omos. Brock Lesnar has been on a WrestleMania whirlwind, I would say. About a half a dozen options were thrown his way since the fall. 
But they landed with Omas for some reason. I have no fucking idea how. So sometimes, you know, things don't go the right way. Let's go and look at these things in order. Okay? Sometime towards the summer of 2022, or the fall of 2022, after a major switch in WWE creative, Stone Cold Steve Austin was apparently approached with the possibility of facing Brock Lesnar. Now, clearly that wasn't going to happen because I think that's just a terrible match for a 58, 59-year-old Steve Austin to undertake at WrestleMania with a bad back and bad knees. Not going to happen. Austin would obviously decline, and we're told that a subsequent offer was made for a possible match with Roman Reigns. So that was also a situation that I thought was terrible because, you know, uh, I don't know how in the world that makes sense. So... I want you guys to understand this. I want you guys to understand this. Last year, Stone Cold Steve Austin was approached about facing Brock Lesnar. I I don't, I don't believe Triple H administered this this move. I I don't. Then we go from Lesnar Austin to Lesnar Reigns, not Lesnar Reigns, Austin Reigns. That's a Vince McMahon match if I ever fucking saw one. That's not Triple H. Triple H would never book that type of match. That, it don't even make sense. Well, what's the next thing you're going to tell me? Triple H was in charge of booking that match too? That was a Triple H idea? That wasn't no fucking Triple H idea. That was a Vince McMahon idea. Austin and Reigns is a Vince McMahon idea. However, reports came out that there was a huge disparity in payout with the pitched Lesnar match nowhere near approaching that of the Reigns offer. So later in the fall, WWE had internal documents that had Brock Lesnar and Gunther scheduled for WrestleMania. Now, that didn't make sense. I see some content creators. I see some podcasters out there about, oh, my God, this is a great match. This is going to be a WrestleMania match. This is going to be great. This is going to do wonders for Gunther. I don't know why you would pick Brock Lesnar as Gunther's opponent over Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship for the first time in 15 years, just based off the fucking two matches that they had. I I don't understand why you wouldn't go for third match, but you want to see Gunther and Brock. Don't you think Brock Lesnar's matches have been awful enough? Now you want to include Gunther in that? What, so we get F5 and F5 and Kimura Lock and all this other fucking suplex city on on Gunther. Meanwhile, we know Gunther could go in there against anybody and have a five-star match of the year classic with anybody. But you know how Brock Lesnar works. Why would you want that for Gunther? I don't understand you people. Why make that match so random? Plus, Gunther's the Intercontinental Champion. Did you want him to lose the championship before WrestleMania? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What good would that do to whoever wins the fucking title? You want to do a title change? You're going to do it at WrestleMania, especially with the rain he's been on. I don't get it. Sheamus is the guy. He was the only guy and the perfect choice. That's it. It was nobody else ever. It's going to be a triple threat match. It's going to be Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, and Gunther at WrestleMania. And if we're lucky, if WWE doesn't go with that plan, we get Gunther versus McIntyre on night one. We get Gunther versus Sheamus on night two. And Sheamus wins the Intercontinental title on night two. And we're lucky to get two Intercontinental Championship matches WrestleMania weekend. And if there's one guy that would double dip and wrestle twice, it would be Gunther because it's in his fucking nature to do so. Now, but you want Brock Lesnar and Gunther for what? Five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, what? Yes, let, let's, let's bless the WWE Universe with a three-minute Gunther match. You ain't blessing me with anything, man. You're blessing us with a Gunther 25-minute fucking match. That match reeks. And if you do it, you do it in a situation where it makes sense. Right now, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. That was listed as the plan as of November 21st. Heading into Survivor Series with news leaking to WrestlingNews.co a few weeks later, there weren't any reasons as to why this match was nixed or by who. I'll give you a fucking clue as to who nixed it. Vince. But sources indicated to us that by the time that news emerged, the match was nixed. There you go. It's also worth noting that the Intercontinental title wasn't mentioned whatsoever internally for this match. So why is the match made? Why is the match internally planned as of November 21st if the Intercontinental title had nothing to do with it? Sounds like a Vince move to me. Does Vince even know that Gunther's the Intercontinental champion? I don't know. I don't know. Gunther's plan has been solidly in place, and sources say that Gunther Brock was not considered for any extended period of time. Then we go to Bobby Lashley. He's also on the table for a possible Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match as we go into 2023. Now, nobody knows what happened because this was scheduled to be the plan, but that all led to Lashley facing Bray Wyatt all of a sudden, who was also pitched for Brock Lesnar. Now, Fightful said that they're not necessarily sure when Bray Wyatt was pitched as a possible opponent for WrestleMania, I could give you the fucking answer to that one two weeks ago. That's when it was made. Nobody knows when Bray Wyatt was pitched as a possible opponent for WrestleMania, but he was mentioning it as recently as right before the Elimination Chamber. Sources familiar to the situation claim that Brock himself nixed the idea, though Fightful wasn't given any specifics as to why. Fightful doesn't have any reason as to why Brock himself nixed the idea. You have no idea, no opinion for yourself on why that match was nixed by Brock Lesnar. According to my very trusted sources, me, 
Do you want to know why Brock Lesnar nicks the match? Because Brock Lesnar is a wise human being. He knows that anybody that gets into a match with Bray Wyatt is doomed to fail and doomed to lose. Brock Lesnar was never going to lose to Bray Wyatt. He was never going to approve a match and then say, yeah, I'll drop my, I'll drop to Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Are you fucking serious? Why would that ever happen? Especially with Vince back in creative in some way, shape, or form. Why would that ever happen? He probably went, this is exactly what I think happened. Brock Lesnar was promoted this idea or given this idea from Triple H. And then Brock Lesnar looked at what the plan was and they talked about the plan. Yeah, we're going to have Bray Wyatt go over. He said, fuck that. I'm not going over Bray Wyatt. He took it to Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon said, I'll take care of this, pal. And then obviously we go from Brock Wyatt to Brock Omos. And that's exactly what happened. Brock Lesnar cried to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon had to overstep Triple H because nobody, nobody is able to handle Brock Lesnar outside of Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon put him in a match with Omos. It gives Brock Lesnar a win at WrestleMania. And it gives Vince McMahon some sort of satisfaction that he creatively booked something for WrestleMania. When in reality, he should never be behind the fucking pen for anything ever again. Am I close? Seems like I'm uh, pretty sound and spot on with that one. Does anybody expect Brock Lesnar to lose to Omos? The reason why the Bray Wyatt match was canceled because Bray Wyatt was going to beat Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was never going to lose to Bray Wyatt. Why would he? Are you interested in seeing Brock Lesnar feud with fucking puppets? Do, do, you, do you care to see Brock Lesnar in, in the funhouse? I mean, give me a fucking break with this shit. He's not losing to Omos. It may be a three-minute match, four-minute match, two beasts going at it, but does anybody expect Omos to, to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? No. No. There's no way Omos walks out victorious at WrestleMania. That's exactly what happened. So we get to Omos. That is the current plan for WrestleMania. I hope it's an April Fool's joke, though it's not. And it was hinted to Fightful that there was an undisclosed backup, but that it wasn't factored into creative plans. So there's an undisclosed backup. That's the current plan for WrestleMania, but it was hinted to us that there's an undisclosed backup. What the fuck is that backup? Fightful says they want to reiterate it was never confirmed to them who pitched the match. I don't need you to confirm anything. I'm telling you right now, it's Vince McMahon. Wrestle votes confirm that it's Vince McMahon. However, it was confirmed to Fightful that Brock Lesnar personally approved the Omos match. Of course he did, because Vince McMahon made the match, and he's guaranteeing a Brock Lesnar win at WrestleMania. Of course he's going to fucking approve the match. That's the other narrative I've seen going around. Oh, Brock Lesnar, he would never approve the match if he didn't want to do it. Of course he's going to do it. Vince McMahon told him to do it. Of course he's going to fucking do it. What do you think he's going to do? Say no to Daddy Vince? You fucking break. Nobody takes into consideration that Brock Lesnar walked out of that SmackDown last year when Vince retired and he walked out of the fucking building citing that he won't work for anybody but Vince McMahon. Nobody remembers that though, right? Nobody cares to mention that in their reports here. I don't understand why, again, I said this last week, I don't understand why you trust these fucking people to give you the, the solid story behind it. They, they, they give you half the fucking story. 
Half the story. Watch the show. Watch the show. You know everything that you need by watching the show. Russell Votes had implied on Twitter and later said that Vince McMahon was involved with pushing for this match to happen. Now, Fightful says that they haven't confirmed that internally, but sources close to Lesnar, or at least as close as sources can get to Lesnar, had indicated that could be true. I don't need anybody's sources to know that it's true. It happened. It happened. I knew it two weeks ago, and I stood on that mountain with my cap and that flag planted in the mountain, and what happened? We were correct again. Sources in creative since last week said that it wasn't a Vince McMahon decision and that Vince McMahon had no contact with creative directly. Yeah, sure. Sure thing. Last week, Fightful reported that one talent believed McMahon had more of an influence on creative than publicly believed, which was echoed by others on the roster before WWE told us that wasn't true. Of course, they're going to fucking tell you it's not true. Because that would blow their cover. That would blow Vince McMahon's cover. Because he's not supposed to be there. It's out in the general public's eye and ear that Vince is not there creatively. That he's only there to facilitate a sale of the company. So if they come out and say, oh yeah, Vince McMahon's in creative, it would blow his fucking cover. He's back not to sell the company. What don't you understand? Look! That talent has since doubled down on believing Vince McMahon is back in creative. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't know. You, you, you got. You guys can pay whatever dirt sheet you want. You guys can go out there and and and, and think whatever you want and watch these fucking people that are not gonna shoot the shit with you legitimately. Vince McMahon is in charge of all this. Vince McMahon is in charge of Bray Wyatt and Bobby Lashley, and he is. He is, absolutely is. He's in charge of Omos and Brock Lesnar. Who the fuck knows what else he's in charge of at WrestleMania? He may be in charge of the whole fucking twist and turns that's coming at WrestleMania with the tag team titles and the women's tag team titles. We don't know what's happening there, twists and turns. You mean to tell me that Triple H had a fucking plan all the way back from December, November, for WrestleMania, and now we're being taken on twists and turns. When did we hear that last time? I could have swore that we heard a report last year when Vince was in charge that we're going for some twists and turns at WrestleMania. Because Vince McMahon is actively making changes to the plans that Triple H had already planned out for WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt and Bobby Lashley is a Vince McMahon match. Nobody will convince me otherwise. I don't believe where we're going with it. I said this on Friday Night SmackDown. We are getting people on Twitter actively coming up with reasons why Bray Wyatt is feuding with Bobby Lashley, yet WWE three weeks before the fucking show has not given us any indication as to why this feud is happening. They want you to fucking decode it yourself. Meanwhile, we got fucking geeks online trying to fucking configure reasons as to why this match is actually taking place. Oh, Bray Wyatt is targeting Bobby Lashley with the Muscle Man dance because that's exactly who he believes is the type of guy WWE likes to promote, especially somebody like that over him. He wants to kill the essence and aura of the muscly figure that WWE loves to promote. 
Okay, if that's the case, I'd love to hear that from Bray Wyatt's fucking mouth. Why do I got to hear it from some, from some geek with 500 followers on Twitter? I don't really understand it. It's absolutely a Vince McMahon-made match. Because as soon as Lesnar went to go cry to Vince McMahon, Bray Wyatt was without a match, and that's exactly what happened. They just fucking flipped the switch. Then we get Bray Wyatt doing the muscle man dance. There's no explanation on anything. Uncle Howdy showed up on SmackDown Friday night. He beat the shit out of Bobby Lashley. Only get chokeslammed by Bobby Lashley. Lashley went for a spear. Uncle Howdy shut the lights off and then all of a sudden disappears and nobody's in the fucking ring. And that's the weekly segment that we got. A lot of nothing with Bray Wyatt and Bobby Lashley. Meanwhile, the Bray Wyatt character in the storyline arc like a fucking plane just sailing down the skies into a fucking mountain. It's exactly what it is. Free falling into a fucking cliff. It's exactly what Bray Wyatt's creative looks like and is, uh, is uh, similar to. Where are we going with this? Last year, we heard reports that Bray Wyatt had plans mapped out all the way to WrestleMania to close up his story from when he was in the WWE last time before they fired him. Now you mean to tell me that all of a sudden Bobby Lashley is the plan for Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania? That was the plan for all these months? Everything that we got on TV led to Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. The one show where things come to an end. This match was made two weeks ago. This match was made the same time that Vince McMahon booked Omos and Brock Lesnar on on Monday Night Raw. That's when this match was announced and finalized. This will end up being one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. Don't believe everything you read. You want the fucking truth? You come here. I would never lie to you guys. I was dead on accurate with Vince McMahon booking Brock Lesnar and Omos. I know I'm right about the Bray Wyatt Bobby Lashley thing, and there's probably more that we don't even know. They actively took Vince McMahon off the fucking movie posters as well, directed by, you remember that? Directed by Vince McMahon. They took that out. Why? He probably ordered that to be on the poster. Then everybody freaked out because they want to throw the truth at you in plain sight. They didn't think anybody was going to pick up on that fucking chicken scratch scribble on the movie posters. They changed that. I don't even know whose fucking name is on there now. They changed all that. This is bullshit. If you don't think this is more of a problem than it really is, you need to start worrying. Because once Vince McMahon starts dipping into the fucking cookie jar for one, two cookies, Vince is going to want the whole fucking jar eventually. I think the community should wisen up to that. I don't know what the fuck you think you're watching. I know what I've been watching. And you don't want Vince McMahon back in charge, especially with these two matches being booked. This just gives you a glimpse as to what he would actually do if he's back completely in power. And that's not something I think we're ready for. WWE, WrestleMania news. Why plans change for Ronda Rousey and John Cena? As of late November, early December, WWE had Rousey penciled in to defend the SmackDown Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley. At some point, that changed, and on the 1230 episode of Friday Night SmackDown, Charlotte Flair returned to beat Ronda Rousey to win the belt by cashing in the Charlotte in the Bank match. You know, the uh, contract that she had just sitting around randomly at home for seven months, cashed it in and won the championship. Uh, Yet another Vince McMahon maneuver. 
When someone asks, J.D., why do you think Vince McMahon is back in power? Just look. Again, not a Triple H move. Triple H would never book, especially Ronda Rousey. Triple H would never book that type of reckless abandon for a championship under his watch. Never. Not once did we ever see anything like that in NXT, ever. So why would you expect it now? Rousey's plans have changed, and it's pretty clear now that Rousey and Shayna Baszler will be involved in the women's tag team titles at WrestleMania. Nobody's really heard if it will be just a regular tag team match against Lita and Becky Lynch, or if damage control will be involved, or maybe other teams, I don't know. WWE typically likes to get everybody involved on these shows as a way to get everybody on the WrestleMania card for their big payday. I don't think we need five, six teams for a tag team title. It only devalues the match and makes the match worse and convolutes everything. If WWE wants to do Becky Lynch and Lita versus Ronda Rousey and and Shayna Baszler, fine. I know they want to have some way to get Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey in the ring together, even though it really doesn't make sense four years later. They want to kind of tie up loose ends. It may be the last time that they have an opportunity to do that, and they want to get it done. But the way we saw the ending of the tag team match on Monday Night Raw Damage Control was screwed out of their titles by Trish Stratus, who returned. So WWE's promising twists and turns here at WrestleMania in regards to the women's tag team titles. I'll get to that in a second. But I think we're going to end up getting a triple threat match. Damage control versus Lita and Becky versus Ronda and Shayna. Simple. So we'll get back to that in a second. Now, what we do know from multiple sources is that Ronda has been pushing to team with Shayna Baszler. And we found out this week that she's pushing for a tag team title run. So Rhonda kind of requests something and that she gets whatever she wants. So I don't know where this is coming from. I believe this is from WrestlingNews.co. Those that we spoke to in the company are under the impression that Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler will be getting a tag team title run that will last through the spring and the summer. And sources stated that Ronda is pushing for the tag team titles. That's the match she wants. And whatever she wants, she ultimately gets. So, I would like to know if Ronda has a plan for the tag team titles. She wants the tag team titles for what? That's my question. She wants the tag team titles for what reason? To bolster her image? She can't live without a championship on Friday Night SmackDown? Why does she want the tag team titles? Is she actively going to make the division better with Shayna Baszler? How could she? There are no fucking teams. There are no teams to a point where WWE had to fucking bring in Lita to team with Becky. There are no teams. What exactly are you going to do with those championships that you are so desperately requesting? That's what I want to know. The answer is nothing. Ronda will take the tag team championships and they will be no better on them than they were the, the Iconics. Or Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. Nobody gives a shit about the tag team titles. They are a waste of hardware. I don't even know why they exist. They are only there to give people a reason to get more championships. They mean nothing. 
Absolutely not. How could you have tag team titles when you have no division? Zero division. I don't get it. John Cena. He returns to TV on Raw Monday in Boston and is expected to wrestle Austin Theory at WrestleMania 39. Great. Excellent. Theory spoke post-elimination chamber, and he seemed bothered, obviously was in character, about seeing his name being brought up all the time while he was present. The Cena Theory match was not set in stone a couple of months ago. Last summer, WWE began teasing Cena versus Theory, and there were reports that WWE wanted the match for SummerSlam, which I do believe was the case. What I do think, uh, what I, what I do think happened there is that John Cena said no to the match right now and, and did not want to put himself into the WWE shitstorm that was Vince McMahon, did not want to wrestle while all that was going on because he's got bigger things in mind, he's got bigger plans for himself in Hollywood, and he didn't want to muddy those plans up and his image up by working for somebody that is obviously coming under fire for multiple, multiple allegations against him from several women where he used company money, $19.3 billion, to pay for sexual favors. So clearly that match was supposed to happen at SummerSlam. They did not do it. I believe Cena was the reason that it did not happen. And sometime in the fall, WWE had penciled Cena in for a match against Logan Paul at WrestleMania. In fact, Cena teased this on social media, and Paul had stated that he would love to have a WrestleMania match with John Cena. He actually requested this to Triple H, so that was definitely in the plans, and it may still be in the plans at some point. Logan Paul is going to be there for a few years, so I'm sure we'll get that. If not this year's WrestleMania, maybe next year's WrestleMania. That was a match that was planned as of December. But by January, they went back to Cena Theory, and Logan Paul was now in a WrestleMania match against Seth Rollins, which I think at the end of the day, the plan is Cena Theory, Logan Paul, Seth Rollins. I think that is the best plan. That is the best course of action for WrestleMania is what they got going on right now. Plans for Cena changed, and they are back to Cena versus Theory. And sources say that people in WWE say that Cena absolutely believes Theory has the tools to become a main eventer, and people in the company see things in Theory that fans have not seen yet. I mean, open your fucking eyes if you don't see Austin Theory as the future of the company. I mean, I don't like the way that they pigeonhole fans to, to all think and feel the same way and, and see the things the same way that, that uh, they do. I, I mean, I see it. You see it. Austin Theory is great. You may not be a fan of him, but I think a lot of people see what WWE sees in Austin Theory at this stage of the game. We don't know what the finish for the match will be, but sources say that Cena is coming in to help put Theory over. It all begins on Monday. That promo back and forth on Monday in Boston is going to be hot. And it's going to really be the first test for Austin Theory. And I think he's going to pass the test with flying colors. I really do. WWE officials are said to be happy with Theory's progress. And he's he's being groomed as one of the names who can help carry the company for the next decade plus. Of course he is. Of course he is. It's going to be a a career-defining match for Austin Theory going to be great. That's the type of WrestleMania match that someone like John Cena and Austin Theory desire to be in. Cena helping the young kids out. Austin Theory being in there with one of his childhood idols, I'm, I'm sure. 
the comparisons to Austin Theory and John Cena are, are fucking unbelievable. The first thing that I thought of when I seen Austin Theory wrestle for Evolve as Evolve World Champion, like this, this kid looks like fucking the next coming of John Cena. Everybody sees it. So for him to be in there against Cena at WrestleMania, it's bigger than the United States title. But it will be for the United States title, and Austin Theory will win. It's going to be great. Now, the women's tag team title situation. Apparently, WWE is planning twists and turns for a storyline heading into WrestleMania. What are these twists and turns? I don't know. Damage Control lost the tag team titles in the main event of Raw. Trish Stratus made her return, attacked Bayley at ringside for trying to get involved before Lita and Lynch beat EO Sky and Dakota Kai to win the women's tag team titles. Great. Heading into the match, it was reported that Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler were supposed to challenge for the titles at WrestleMania. Based on the finish of this match, it sets the stage for WWE to do a potential Trish Stratus versus Bayley match or a six-woman tag team match at WrestleMania with Bayley obviously teaming with EO and Dakota against Bayley, or against, uh, not Bayley, that would be weird. Damage Control, Bayley, EO, and Dakota versus Becky, Lita, and Trish. That was the first idea going around. I don't hate that idea. I think that idea is a sound idea. But we can't leave Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler off the, off the WrestleMania card now. I don't think Triple H would allow that. I don't think Ronda would be too pleased with that either. So what I do think that we're going to get is what they did with the ending of that match. Damage Control got screwed out of the tag team titles. They're going to cry and cry and cry for a rematch because they got screwed by Trish Stratus. So they'll probably get their rematch against Becky and Lita. In comes Shayna and Ronda. They want the tag team titles. And it's going to sell the aspect of Becky and Ronda in the ring together. WWE is going to get what they want there with Becky and Ronda. They're going to get everybody involved here, make it a triple threat. And it'll probably end up being a lot better than just a standard tag team match. Plus, at the end of the day, EO and Dakota have been tag team champions for most of the time that Triple H has been in charge. And now you're going to leave them off the WrestleMania card? Damage control is a failure. We know that. But you can't leave them off the WrestleMania card because you wanted to make Becky and Lita the tag team champions three weeks before WrestleMania. You can't do that. It's unfair. You can't do that. Plus, it's going to be a bad look. Yeah, let me give the titles to Lita and keep the young women who are there every week off the show. It's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. And again, I wouldn't doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, I would not doubt that Vince McMahon is also in charge of getting Lita back in the WWE for WrestleMania because there really isn't any other legends that will be appearing on the show. Lita and Trish at WrestleMania is absolutely a Vince McMahon idea, no doubt about it, because reports we heard back during the Royal Rumble is that Triple H wanted to have a Royal Rumble with all current stars plus developmental in NXT. It's the reason why he brought everybody back, but I'm to believe that Triple H all of a sudden called Lita up to feud with his young women on the main roster now before WrestleMania hits, right? Sure. Sure thing. So Brock Lesnar, Omos, Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley, Lita, and Trish, all Vince McMahon called in creative. No doubt about it. So WrestlingNews.co, 
is saying that Shayna and Ronda are set to challenge for the tag team title, or were set to challenge for the tag team titles. Based on the finish of the match, it sets the stage for the match that I just gave you, Triple Threat, while Trish Stratus wrestles Bayley one-on-one at WrestleMania. So we'll have four women's matches, and that's good, two on each night. We'll have four women's matches at WrestleMania. We got Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. Then we got Bianca and Asuka. Then we'll get the women's tag team titles, triple threat. Shayna, Ronda, Becky, Lita, EO, Dakota, triple threat. And then we'll get Bailey and Trish. Four women's matches. I think that's great. Got to keep it to, uh, you know, two on each night. Even it out. Should be good. Women representation at WrestleMania. There you go. I don't know why anybody else would complain. But WWE is promising twists and turns. I don't know what twists and turns we need. I just gave you exactly what it should be and how it should be at WrestleMania so we don't convolute things. There doesn't need to be twists and turns. The twists and turn came when Becky and Lita won the tag team titles on Monday. That's it. Now Ronda shows up on Raw with Shayna, and there we go. We take it to the next level. No more needs to be done. Finn Balor, he's wrestling Edge at WrestleMania. Whether it's not, whether or not it will be inside Hell in a Cell, I don't know. I don't know. Will it be the Demon? Will it be Brood Edge? Will they be meeting inside Hell in a Cell? We don't know. But Finn Balor, on top of that, has already begun to tease a new Judgment Day member after WrestleMania. So Balor was on the bump. And he was on the bump and he stated that the group will be expanding following WrestleMania 39. Noting that the stable has a group chat where they do their plotting and their scheming. Balor said, and I quote, we are always planning. The Judgment Day are always planning. We're always plotting. We're always scheming. I'm always texting with Damien. We have a group chat with me, Damien, Rhea, Dom. We're plotting. We're figuring things out. And trust me. Once we get mania behind us, the judgment day will be expanding. Who looks to be a good fourth member? I would say fifth member of judgment day. Who would be a good fifth member for judgment day? Now, the way we see things, Rhea Ripley is probably and should absolutely beat Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think that they end up moving to SmackDown. I do. I think Judgment Day on SmackDown will begin their feud with Legado, Del Fantasma, and Santos Escobar. Who do I see joining Judgment Day? Do you know who I think would be a great Judgment Day member? It would probably take him to where he needs to be because I don't think he's getting there on his own. I'd love to see Karrion Cross in Judgment Day. I think him being that type of guy being more of a background player for now and being called upon to feed off of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley and Dominic and get that heat. Damian Priest and the rest of those guys have all been doing, Rhea Ripley, Dominic, Finn Balor, they've been doing the best work of their main roster runs. You put somebody like Karrion Cross in Judgment Day, he's going to instantly feed off of that heat and by association, he's going to be looked at as a badass just like the rest of them are. I think that would be great. Carrying Cross in Judgment Day, man, sign me up. Sign me up. He's got the look, too. 
mean, he's got the look down. He fit right into Judgment Day like a fucking glove, to be honest with you. Speaking of Judgment Day, Dominic. WWE is gaining more faith in Dominic in recent months, and so am I. Dominic's been doing some great work, man. He had a great match with Santos Escobar on Friday Night SmackDown last night. Dominic has come a long way, man. He went from being cringe to being some of the best parts of both Raw and SmackDown. He started out being aligned with his father, Rey Mysterio, before they became a tag team and had a run at the tag team titles together, only for Dominic to turn on his father. Join the Judgment Day. For months, WWE has booked them in a feud together after Dominic turned on his father at Clash of the Castle and aligned with the Judgment Day. Since then, he's changed his look and has come into his own. With this feud that is building towards them having a match at WrestleMania, WWE has used Dominic on SmackDown and on Raw, and they're using him on SmackDown because Ray is on SmackDown. So they kind of tied it in when Rhea challenged Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It gave them a reason with the relationship that Dominic and Rhea Ripley have on air for Dominic to show up on SmackDown. Even though he's a part of the Raw brand, he shouldn't be over there. It gives him a reason to be over there with his alignment to Rhea Ripley. So I love how they kind of concocted that and came up with that plan. So there you go. They moved Rey Mysterio over in a trade between Raw and SmackDown. SmackDown got Rey and Raw got Baron Corbin. Clearly, you know who won out on that trade. Baron Corbin for Rey Mysterio. Holy shit, did Raw get robbed? So they moved that. To or moved him, I should say, Rey Mysterio over to SmackDown. And I love how they're just kind of cohesively continuing this with both of them being on different shows. It's awesome. So with this feud building towards them having a match, I mentioned this last night. It definitely does feel like we're going to get some sort of Rey versus Dominic match at WrestleMania. But with Santos Escobar, I said this on Friday Night SmackDown with the review last night. Santos Escobar is in a great position because he's feeding off of Rey Mysterio's babyface momentum. And that's a great thing. It's going to make him look great by association, just like I mentioned with Karrion Cross. I think Karrion Cross would have a great look in the Judgment Day and feed off their heel heat, and he would be a lot better off for it to a point where he doesn't really have to do much of anything. But with Santos now involved, Damian Priest doesn't have a WrestleMania match. You'd like to get Damian Priest on there as well, right? Do we get Ray versus Dom one-on-one in some sort of stipulation? Do we get a mask versus hair match? Do we get Ray and Santos teaming up at WrestleMania versus Dominic and Damian Priest? I mean, I'd love to have I'd love to have Santos in some way compete at WrestleMania. He's too good not to. Damian Priest deserves to be on the card. He's been doing some great work himself. So do we get a tag team match? Or do we end up getting a one-on-one match with both of those guys in the opposite corners? Priest with Dom and Santos with Ray. I don't know. Either one of them, I'm fine with. We could go either way with any one of those ideas. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to win out because I'm loving what's going on with Ray and Dominic. And I think it still has that same amount of heat that we were excited about back in September at Clash of the Castle. Awesome. Triple H, he's actually looking to break up the Alpha Academy. Otis seems to be going off with the maximum male cringe. And Chad Gable seems to be in line for a major singles push. 
This is coming from the newly created Twitter account, WRKD Wrestling, who broke the report about Lita and Trish Stratus coming back. That's their swan song. They elaborated this on Twitter. There have been discussions of pushing Chad Gable as more of a serious single star while moving Otis to the maximum male models in a comedy role. Gable and Otis are on the fence about splitting up due to their longtime close friendship. After an impressive match against Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw, Gable continues to receive praise online while Otis is similarly being lauded for his work with the maximum male models. You know, I've been saying this for months now. The Alpha Academy is great. If WWE had any sort of vision for the tag team division, why would you break up Otis and Gable? Now, I understand Otis is a comedic character, but he compliments Gable well. The fact that they're real-life best friends only helps enhance the act. We know how great Chad Gable could be. We've seen it time and time and time again. He's one of my favorite things about the entire fucking company is Chad Gable. But breaking them up on top of the rumors about Street Profits breaking up, I mean, are you looking to actively kill the tag team division? Why? We should be enhancing the tag team division, not killing the tag team division. Like, I don't understand why Chad Gable and Otis can't operate as a tag team while Otis also operates as a single. WWE did such a great job of creating trios in WWE. Triple H created these trios, these factions. Why don't we add somebody else to the Alpha Academy so it gives Otis purpose? If Chad Gable wants to go do singles, he could go do that while Otis... Teams with whomever else they put in the Alpha Academy. Why are we looking at the Alpha Academy as, oh yeah, let's break them up. Meanwhile, Triple H has done such a fabulous job of getting trios all over the place. We got faction warfare all over the place. But the Alpha Academy, you're looking to break them up. Why? You know, if FTR are interested in coming back to the WWE, do you want to hear the rumors of Street Profits breaking up and Alpha Academy breaking? You want to include... You know, a tag team division that is strong as fuck to lure teams like FTR away from Tony Khan and AEW. Why would you want to kill your tag team division and then not really go out there and and present a great division to teams that may be thinking about signing with the WWE? I don't really get it. I never understood it. Everybody talks about Roman needing to drop the title to Cody or titles to Cody. We need... Monday Night Raw to have its world championship back. I agree. I agree. It's a long time coming. But the same could be said about the Usos. When Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win those tag team championships, there does not need to be two sets of championships. There there doesn't. I don't mind if there's two world championships. I don't. I don't mind that there's two mid-card secondary titles. I don't mind it. But the tag team titles, I mean, I've been saying this for years. Why, Why are the women's tag team titles operating under a different set of rules than the men's tag team. Why do we have two sets of tag team titles in the men division? Do we need SmackDown and Raw tag team divisions? We need one tag team. We need a WWE tag team division. One set of titles, titles slope between Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown and Raw. Makes both shows better. It just makes a lot more sense. You get a lot more teams involved that way. You don't get to call a, a division on Raw four teams You don't get to see the same fucking matchups every goddamn week. You don't get to pull 
singles wrestlers out of those tag teams and make singles matches with them. Oh, yeah, let's do, let's do Montez Ford versus Jimmy Uso 16 fucking times. No. They should really be focusing on making a strong division instead of breaking somebody like Gable and Otis up. That's just my opinion. Goldberg. You guys know how I feel about Goldberg. A legend in his own mind is Bill Goldberg. Goldberg stated, and I quote, I made a deal with the devil and I did my job. Now they owe me a retirement match. They don't owe you shit. Imagine being Bill Goldberg saying that WWE owes me a retirement match. You fucking serious. WWE gave you, what, three years, four years contract. Most of those dates included Saudi, where you made more money hand over fist than you made in any other time in your career. And you want to claim that WWE owes you a retirement match. I'm sorry. Who the fuck do you think you are? Goldberg only wrestled once in 2022. That's it? Should have been zero times. Which was Roman Reigns back at the Elimination Chamber. And Roman Reigns beat him, of course. In 2021, he worked three matches that saw him lose to Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble, Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam, before beating Lashley at Crown Jewel. Prior to the Reigns match, he hinted that it could be the last time he wrestled. You know, they bypassed, by the way, I, you know, I want to I throw this in there because Goldberg thinks WWE owes him, right? Oh, don't get me started, man. Don't get me started. WWE fucked up Big East cash-in. Bill Goldberg got the match with Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. Do you know who that match was tailor-made for? who it should have been for, who it ultimately should have been his crowning moment at SummerSlam. Goldberg and Bobby Lashley didn't make any sense. It didn't need to take place at SummerSlam. They could have did it at Clash of the Castle. In WWE's point of view, oh, we, we needed to take the title off of Bobby Lashley to do the Goldberg match again. That's all they had. That's all they had in mind. All they had was a one-track mind. They wanted to do Bobby Lashley and Goldberg at Crown Jewel because we owe Bill Goldberg another match. He's contractually obligated to do another match. So they opted to give Big E a championship token cash-in victory on some fucking random Raw in September of that year in Massachusetts, Worcester, wherever the fuck they were. And then they booked Bobby Lashley and Goldberg at Crown Jewel while Big E had one of the worst title runs of the modern era with the WWE Championship. Now, but Bill Goldberg thinks WWE owes him. Do you know who's owed in this situation, Bill? How about Big E is owed a redo for his fucking cash-in that you fucked up because you were too greedy to sit this one out. You needed to be back. You needed to be back. You want me to keep going? Sure thing, I'll keep fucking going. 
WWE doesn't owe you shit. You know who's owed something? Bray Wyatt. That's who's owed something. You got no problem coming into Saudi Arabia, taking a cool $3 million paycheck to kill Bray Wyatt. What Bill Goldberg did creatively for Bray Wyatt ultimately killed his fucking character. Yeah, Bill Goldberg thinks that WWE owes him something, owes him a retirement match. But you, it's okay to kill Bray Wyatt in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure the fiend is buried somewhere out there still in Saudi Arabia. What about the time he came back and made a big deal about, oh, I want my son to see me wrestle. I want to be the superhero for the kids. The WWE have to let you on fucking TV? Huh? Did they have to let you on TV knowing exactly what they were going to get out of you, which was basically a 50-plus-year-old guy who knows two moves and at any given time can blow out a fucking quad? They owe you a retirement match, though. But after all that they did for you, they gave you Wyatt, you beat Wyatt, you had no fucking say in the matter. You couldn't go to Vince McMahon and tell Vince, hey, Vince, I don't want to bury this guy. He's the future of your company. But you buried him anyway in three fucking minutes. And you go on and lose to McIntyre. You ruin Big East cashing because you're owed a fucking another Saudi Arabia match. You do this, 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 this. All these things. WWE's paid you handsomely to come out of retirement and keep the name Bill Goldberg alive while it should fucking sink into irrelevancy. No, but WWE owes you a fucking retirement match. Get out. Because a fuck about Bill Goldberg. They don't owe you shit. They don't owe you jack shit. Goldberg wants to have a retirement match. Against who? Who on the active roster is going to give Bill Goldberg a retirement match? I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody in WWE that would be willing to give Bill Goldberg a retirement match. Omos? Omos may be the only one. Have Omos beat Bill Goldberg. Because we know he ain't beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Bronson Reed? How about Bronson Reed? I think that would be a great look for Bronson Reed. Everybody's mentioning Braun Breaker. I'm hearing Braun Breaker's name thrown about. What about Bronson Reed? You know, the guy that was fired the first time. Uh, un- unwillingly, unknowingly. Guy was fired from WWE because Vince McMahon thought he was fat. How about Bronson Reed? Bronson Reed, Bill Goldberg. There's your fucking retirement match. Tsunami splash off the top rope. Goodbye, Bill. Go fucking pancake your ass back to your fucking Ford Mustangs and get the fuck off TV. Ridiculous. Moving on. Naomi. Apparently we got some info on why Naomi isn't back with the WWE. You like that rant? There you go. There you go. Naomi. This is coming from Cameron. I don't mind her speaking on pro wrestling. I don't want to see her ever in a pro wrestling ring. We'll just keep that. uh, We'll we'll keep that for uh, some other time. Get out of here. Last month, it was reported by Brian Alvarez that Naomi is expected to return to WWE. There was speculation at the time that 
she would show up as a surprise entrant in the Women's Royal Rumble. We didn't see it. I even pitched Naomi to win the Royal Rumble. Alvarez said on Wrestling Observer Live, of course, there is no official information on Naomi, but my impression is she will be returning to WWE. Actually, you can report that, my belief, is that she will be returning to WWE because she will certainly be returning to WWE. I will just say that. Other than that, I don't know what's going on. Dave Meltzer reported the same week that Alvarez said that in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that WWE and Naomi had talks that were ongoing, but nothing had been signed. Feifel reported on 118 that one higher up in WWE was confident that she would be back. Now, apparently, the reason why she's not back in the ring at this moment is that she underwent shoulder surgery. This was said by Naomi's former Funkadactyl tag team partner, Cameron. Cameron said the following during an autograph signing, and I quote, she's recovering from shoulder surgery. I want her to answer the question for, I want, I want her to answer the question for herself. I know she's recovering from shoulder surgery. She also claimed that she got a call to return to WWE last year, and the plans were that she and Naomi would win the tag team titles. Naomi has not commented on Cameron and if that is true or not. I I doubt that's true. I don't know why anybody would want her back in any capacity on any wrestling show, let alone winning the fucking tag team titles with Naomi. Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. Yes, let let me take Cameron over Sasha Banks, the team with Naomi. I'm I'm sure that's exactly what was going. I don't know what she was doing at the autograph signing, but it sounds like bullshit to me. Naomi, I mean, does it really matter? Does it matter? Do you miss Naomi? I miss Naomi. I think Naomi's great. But we're making a big deal about something that we don't really know anything about. People are speculating. Obviously, her name is going to be out there because of Sasha Banks getting back into the pro wrestling scene now with what she's doing with New Japan. And who knows what Sasha's going to be doing for the rest of the year. So everybody now is genuinely asking what's going to happen to Naomi. WWE is probably going to wait till after WrestleMania. They have no... Why bring her back on the road to WrestleMania when Triple H, (laughs) supposedly, had plans for WrestleMania written up in November that did not include Naomi? So why would she be back on TV? When he's got to sell WrestleMania with what he's got now, you're going to include somebody in programs or on Raw and SmackDown that isn't going to factor into anything. Why not just wait to bring her back? WWE is going to have a big night following Monday, uh, following WrestleMania on Monday Night Raw. Why not just wait? It's going to be a brand new season of WWE television. That's when you'll see Naomi. No reason to rush her back in the middle of WrestleMania season when she has nothing to do with anything that's going on the show right now. Everybody's making a big deal. Wait, patience. Patience. She's not going to AEW. She's not going to go wrestle in Japan. She's not going to Impact. She'll be back in WWE. Why? Because her family is there. Her husband is there. Ties to the bloodline are there. WWE is not going to let Naomi go anywhere to allow wherever she goes to have internal ties to the bloodline. Because that's what Naomi does. The value of Naomi is that she's tied to the bloodline. She's not going anywhere. Shifting gears to AEW. There was a CM Punk AEW rumor going around this week about 
Adam Hangman Page and CM Punk and what was supposed to happen at Double or Nothing. Before CM Punk went on his rant at the all-out media scrum, after he won back the world title from John Moxley on that night, he got into a backstage fight with the elite. Can I just say this? I- I'm going to put my tinfoil cap on. I'm going to put my conspiracy theory hat on. WWE just, uh, or not WWE, AEW. AEW just released a trailer for the all-access AEW backstage show that they're doing. I don't know. I don't know if this is the case or not. This is just me speaking out loud. Does anybody get the vibe and the feeling that everything that we've heard from AEW in regards to backstage incidents, fights, CM Punk, and all this other shit, does anybody have a feeling that we were all duped and that we were all played for, played like fools. Because now all of this, in some weird fucking twist, all of these things that we read in these reports are now being made into a fucking TV show. Was everything filmed? Was everything reported for the sake of this TV show? I don't know, man. I don't know. Because you saw the trailer. The elite were talking about the scrum. The EVPs were talking about the scrum. We got backstage incidences with Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara on the show. I mean, really? I I mean, or am I fucking crazy? Everything that we read, everything that we know about every single internal problem in AEW is somehow now being made into a fucking television production for the AEW All Access backstage show. But nobody's really asking those questions. Is it possible? Sure. Did those things happen and then were turned into shoots? Or it ended up being a shoot and then into a work? I don't know. Maybe that's the case as well. They all started off legit and then they turned it into a work and filmed it for TV. Maybe the whole thing is a fucking work. Maybe CM Punk got injured and they did everything that they did for the sake of this television show. I don't know, man. It's possible. That's a terrible look if that's the case, though. That's a real terrible look for AEW if that was the case. I'm going to say I don't think so, but... Stranger things have happened, man. You know, it's really, really, really rare for a company to blur the lines that deeply for the sake of a fucking reality-based television show. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Anyway, CM Punk. Punk was coming off a hot feud with MJF before winning the world title from Adam Page at Double or Nothing last May. Punk was sidelined with an injury that required him to be sidelined for several weeks. Broke his foot in something that should have never even happened. Tony Khan insisted that he shouldn't vacate the title, so John Moxley was made into the interim champion. Moxley later beat Punk on Dynamite in a title unification match before they did the rematch at All Out. There had been a rumor going around that Punk was supposed to lose to Page at Double or Nothing, 
but he pressured Tony Khan into changing the finish. In the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that the rumor is not true and that Punk was always supposed to win the match. As far as rumor corrections, the story going around that Punk was originally supposed to lose to Adam Page at last year's Double or Nothing, but pressured Tony Khan to change the finish is not true. Punk was always winning the match. I had said before the match that I, it was me, I'd have Page win the first meeting and then Punk win the title in Chicago. But Khan wanted Punk to win the title months earlier, and that wasn't Punk's doing or pressuring Tony Khan either. I believe Dave Meltzer. Sam Punk was always supposed to. Tony Khan saw, listen, I don't know where this rumor got started. I really don't know where this rumor got started. But this is exactly what CM Punk mentioned in the all-out media scrum. The media getting it wrong and spreading misinformation. This is exactly what Punk had honed in on in his rants on that fabled night. This. So Melcher had to come out and correct it and said, no, Punk was always scheduled to win the championship at double or nothing. Tony Khan signed CM Punk, and within fucking seconds of Punk signing that contract, I guarantee you that Tony Khan already had images and thoughts of CM Punk winning the world championship. It's why they signed him. It's why they brought him into the company. Punk didn't pressure anybody. When Punk says he wanted to be back to work with the young talent and mold the young talent and get back in there with some of the best talent in the world— I believe him. When he says he doesn't want to win world championships or hold world championships, I believe him. Tony Khan wanted him to win the world championship because his name value is tremendous. And the name value for AEW as world champion, CM Punk, is tremendous. Punk didn't pressure anybody into winning any world championship. He didn't lobby. He didn't politic. CM Punk politic in AEW? It's the very thing that he fucking hated in WWE. You mean to tell me you want to spread misinformation that punk politicked for a world title? And it makes that pipe bomb in Las Vegas in 2011 look fucking like amateur hour. Like a complete lie. Guy gets done telling Dwayne that he WrestleMania main events because he's Dwayne Johnson and the guys that are there Every fucking day, don't get the opportunity. His name's not on the billboards. His name is not in the spotlight. He's not on the fucking cups that they sell at the arena. You mean to tell me that Punk lobbied for a fucking world championship match and pressured Tony Khan to change an outcome to swing it in his favor? Give me a fucking break. Give me a break. Whoever reported that should fucking quit altogether. And good on Meltzer for coming out and reporting the right information. Several Ring of Honor stars reportedly were frustrated after not being used at the recent TV tapings. Now, I watched maybe a half an hour of the new Ring of Honor show. I stopped after a half an hour. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was thinking maybe we'll watch it live on Thursday. We'll do Ring of Honor Thursday's live stream. Can't do it. I got dark... AEW Dark and AEW Elevation vibes with Ring of Honor 
color scheme and maybe slightly different camera angles and a, a look aesthetically on TV via the camera work. That's it. I, I just don't care. I don't care. Now, it may have been a great show to the people that were there. From what I heard, the crowd was lively. The crowd was very into what was going on. They set up for Supercard of Honor. But if you didn't have a plan of attack from day one to give me some storylines, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Storylines don't exist in Ring of Honor now? Like, I don't want to watch a two-hour show that just got started, and you can't come up with ideas to give me a story for what the fuck I'm watching. Now, I'm not saying every match has to have a story, but give me some sort of story. Eddie Kingston wants the world championship. He wants Claudio. Fine. I know the story between those two guys. That's fine. I'm going to need that to be told over TV over the next coming weeks if that's going to be the world championship match at Supercard of Honor. But to have a show that started off with nothing but straight wrestling, I mean, how am I supposed to differentiate that from dark? It's filmed filmed in the same venue. It's the basic premise of dark. It's nothing but fucking matches. Bang, bang, uh, you know, after uh, match after match after match after match. Boom, 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 boom. There was no intro to the show. They went right into the fucking, a cold open, right into an intro. Right into Slim J opening the show for the Trustbusters. No opening theme, no graphic, no nothing. Even NXT had a fucking graphic and an opening theme. Ring of Honor can't be bothered to have an opening theme song and fucking credits that roll in the beginning of the fucking show to get you hyped about what you're watching. Hey, yeah, we'll just throw it on the Ring of Honor app. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. Even Impact has a fucking opening theme. But Ring of Honor can't be bothered to have an opening theme. I watch people in the community cover it on on Thursday. Uh, I see 60 viewers. I see see, uh, Fightful have 350, 400 viewers on, on a Thursday night. I mean, that is so beneath me. Like, I'm better off doing a live reaction instead of a fucking review. And I hate reaction videos. That's not really my forte. But why would I be bothered to do, to do a review on the show when legitimately nobody at the end of the day fucking cares? Nobody cares. WWE did great things with black and gold. It was different. From the main roster. I can't tell the difference between Ring of Honor, AEW Dark, AEW Elevation, and Dynamite. It's it's something that I'm genuinely concerned about. And this is a problem that Tony Khan is dipping into the fucking cookie jar way too much. That he's not delegating. That he's wearing too many hats. It's just lazy. Maybe it changes over the next coming weeks. I don't know. If it does, I'll give it a second look. But right now, I'm not going to be bothered to watch it. If I want to watch straight wrestling, I mean, I'll just go back and watch NXT on the WWE Network from 2017 to 2019. I don't need to watch this Ring of Honor. Several stars were frustrated. Nearly after a year of purchase, after the purchase, Tony Khan premiered his new version 
for the brand on Thursday through Honor Club, their streaming service, after not being able to find a suitable TV deal. Dave Meltzer reported in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that many wrestlers were frustrated with not being used at the tapings after they canceled their weekend bookings on the indies. Meltzer wrote a lot of the guys canceled their weekend bookings on indie shows and they did get paid more than what they would have made on the indie shows, so that's not an issue. But the frustration was of guys being brought in and not used. So one independent promoter told Dave Meltzer that he lost four of his top stars so they could work the tapings and none of them were used. The promoter wasn't upset about the talent not being able to make his shows as he understands if they appeared on Ring of Honor TV, it's better exposure for his promotion. Bullshit. First of all, Meltzer said a lot of the guys canceled their indie promotions, their indie bookings over the weekend to get to Orlando to potentially get on the Ring of Honor tapings, and then they weren't used. So the frustration was of guys being brought in and not used. I want to let you guys know that Meltzer never said that frustration came from the guys that were on these shows, these these indie shows. He never said the frustration came from the guys for not being used. The frustration came in the next sentence. The independent promoter told Meltzer, one independent promoter told Meltzer that he lost four of his top stars, top stars, nobody knows who they are, so they could work the tapings and none of them were used. So who was upset, the wrestlers or the indie promoter that lost four of his top guys? Then he goes on to say the promoter wasn't upset about the talent not being able to make his shows as he understands if they appeared on Ring of Honor TV, it's better exposure for his promotion. So again, I say, who was upset? Were the wrestlers upset? The wrestlers aren't upset. They got paid much more just for being there and not being used. Is there some people upset for not being used? Sure, but they were compensated for their time and their travel and for the opportunity to maybe be used. They were compensated, and Tony Khan is great with that. Seems like the frustration came from this one promoter about four guys being taken off his show and then those guys not being used so he and his promotion didn't benefit. Again, misinformation being spread about about something that never really happened. Just throwing that out there. WWE is interested in somebody that was on AEW Dynamite this week. No shit. Something that you're going to hear a lot about lately. WWE is interested in Commander, who was in the face of the revolution ladder match, just 24 years old. He's been wrestling for Lucha Libre AAA since 2019 and the KAOZ promotion in Mexico. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that AEW President Tony Khan originally wanted AAA mega champion El Hijo del Vikingo. I butchered his name, but I've seen him wrestle and he's fucking fantastic. To participate in the match, but he wasn't available, so Khan got Commander instead. Commander is not under contract with AEW. He wrestled on Dynamite without an AEW deal. However, WWE got the gist of Commander 
And now he has the attention of WWE. Meltzer wrote Commander, who debuted on Dynamite in the latter match with no buildup at all, was not under contract when he put, you know, when Tony Khan put him on the show, and he's very much now on WWE's radar. Who's Commander? I don't fucking know. I didn't know who the fuck Commander was before I watched Dynamite, but apparently WWE is interested in Commander. Meltzer added that Commander is currently under contract with the KAOZ promotion in Mexico, although it's unclear what the deal is, whether that will be a full-time or a per-show basis. So WWE wants somebody that will never make it out of the NXT developmental system and be successful on the main roster. They want somebody like Commander because Tony Khan brought in somebody like Commander without an AEW contract, and now being that he did great on Dynamite, now WWE wants him to sway him to join WWE so that he doesn't sign with AEW. So please tell me, please tell me that all the rumors you heard about WWE not paying attention to AEW are still legit. WWE has dedicated people who watch AEW religiously weekly for something, no matter what it is. Inspiration, tips, a storyline, influence, something. And they certainly watch Dark and Elevation and Dynamite to see who may be available. They watch Rampage, they watch it all for this very reason alone. They love to scout and poach talent. This is not the first time WWE's done this either. They, they did it religiously with Dark. And they continue to do it with Dark. But I mean, who gives a shit? What did I see? What did you guys see out of Commander on Wednesday that you haven't seen out of Ray Phoenix? Now, if this was WWE's interested in Ray Phoenix, that's a different story. This is WWE interested in Pentagon Jr. That's a different fucking story. The Lucha Brothers, that's a different fucking story. WWE's interested in Commander. Fine. They want Commander? Go get Commander. We haven't, seen, we haven't even seen Dragon Lee compete in WWE yet. We have no idea what Dragon Lee is going to do in WWE. For all we know, Vince McMahon thinks WWE signed Bruce Lee. We don't fucking know. I don't think Dragon Lee is going to amount to anything in WWE, but we'll see. We'll see. He's got to learn English first. Commander's got to learn English. They want to bring in these Lucha Libre guys. Fuck, you're going to do a Lucha Libre guys in WWE while Rey Mysterio's still around. You got Santos Escobar there. He's the next face of Lucha Libre in WWE. After Santos, get in line. Get in line. WWE wants Commander. Let WWE go get Commander. MJF. Apparently... There's a story going around about MJF telling a talent he can't wait to be in WWE next year. I don't understand why reports like this continue to go around. I I don't. But MJF apparently said to somebody in WWE, I can't wait to be there next year. Is WWE interested in MJF? Absolutely. Who the fuck wouldn't be? MJF has been AEW champion since November. Working in Angle, where he often references the notion that AEW and his contract is coming up at the start of 2024. To make it clear, there is no confirmation as to the date of MJF's current contract expiration. Although an extension 
uh, had been signed early in AEW's life cycle did in fact expire at the start of 2024. So that is legit. MJF had a contract that was set to expire that he signed early on in January of 2024. Now, after everything that happened, that double or nothing, the fact that he's now the world champion and everything that we've seen with MJF and the storyline, that promo, that visceral promo we cut on Tony Khan where he called him a fucking mark. This is, this is not anything I should be overly or you should be overly concerned about in regards to MJF jumping ship to WWE. MJF can say whatever the fuck he wants. If you don't know MJF, MJF is in character in legitimately everything he does. Is that Max in real life? To a degree, yes. I believe he's a fucking prick when he wants to be. And it's fucking hilarious. It's the type of fucking friend I want. I love when guys blur that type of reality. I love when they take their work so serious and they live the gimmick to a point where you don't know what they say, if it's legit, or if it's a complete work. You don't know. But I do believe MJF signed a current extension that will take him into 2025, 2026. I don't think MJF is going to be a free agent at the start of 2024 like he was saying before he won the world championship. So regardless, MJF has told anyone that acts the same thing that he says on AEW TV, that his deal is up at the start of 2024. I don't believe it. Tony Khan, Tony Khan would have to be a blithering idiot to allow MJF to go on TV and name drop Trips and Bruce Prichard and, and all these WWE references, jolly old Saint Nick. These are all people that said derogatory things about Tony Khan. Why would Tony Khan allow somebody like MJF to go on TV to say whatever the fuck he wants about, A, his contract and where he desires to work somewhere else that's not AEW. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So I don't believe it at all. Tony Khan allowed MJF to say those things on TV because he signed him to an extension, and Tony Khan is pretty confident that well, he is confident because he can't go anywhere as he's contractually obligated to the company. Signed him to an extension, so we allowed him to go on TV and say those things, knowing that when 2024 comes up, the regular marks out there are going to be thinking, oh, I'm Jeff, the free agent, when in reality, he's not. And they're going to turn this entire biggest free agent of 2024, the bidding war of 2024, it's all going to be a storyline that revolves around MJF and the AEW world title him having his contract come to an end, they want you to believe that, while he's still the AEW champion threatening to take the WWE or the AEW title to WWE. That's where we're going. So why does anybody believe MJF is on TV saying these things without a fucking solid contract to AEW? Tony Khan would be a fool. Now, this extends to WWE as well, including one WWE talent outright admitting to Fightful that MJF said... I'm looking forward to being there in 2024 before noting that while MJF wanted them to think he was serious, they take it with a grain of salt. Word of him saying that has made its way to the other talent there as well. So MJF is playing both sides. MJF is playing both sides. He wants everybody to believe because this is going to be, I, this is a prediction. This is going to be the biggest storyline 
of AEW's life cycle, this one, whatever happens here, this is going to be their biggest storyline, and they're really prepping you for it with this story, with this news article. So people in WWE are getting word, other people are getting word of this. One WWE source said, Fightful, that we spoke to, said that obviously WWE has been and would be interested in MJF if and when his contract was available, but that many in the company aren't even sure when his AEW contract is actually up and are operating on assumptions and what he's told to people. Thus far, we haven't heard from anybody who actually has heard from MJF that he's extended his contract, though it's assumed by many that he did. To reiterate, before any possible aggregations to this story and, and, and misinformation, we have no confirmations regarding the actual expiration of MJF's contract if he were to have signed an extension at any point. I don't think, I, I don't think this is a, 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 a story at all. I mean, MJF, MJF signed an extension with AEW. Tony Khan paid him more money, and Tony Khan extended his deal with whatever MJF had requested that he wanted to be making. Tony Khan cannot afford to lose MJF at this point in time. He can't. His contract is not up in 2024. I don't think you have to worry about it. If you're a fan of MJF and his work in AEW, I don't think you have to worry about anything regarding him jumping ship to WWE. MJF also called out somebody on social media this week as comparisons to Alberto Del Rio made its way on Twitter. A fan replied under a tweet of MJF and said something in regards to Alberto Del Rio and MJF being similar, that they have similar gimmicks. So MJF said, I'm not a racist. I'm not an abuser. I'm not a bad promo, a poser, a bitch, and a drug addict, and an overrated wrestler in regards to Alberto Del Rio. Now, the racist remark doesn't seem to be directed out at Alberto, but the issues between Alberto and former girlfriend, Soraya, have all been very well documented. Alberto was also accused of aggravated kidnapping and sexual assault by another woman who he was with at the time. Those charges were dropped because the witness was missing. In May of 2020, police said that Alberto tied the woman's hands with boxing straps and then put a sock in her mouth as he sexually assaulted her for several hours with various objects. The investigators also said that he punched her in the back and the victim does not remember much after he put his hands around her throat. PW Insider reported on 12-10-21, the court records reflect that earlier today there was a missing witness and that the charges have been dropped. Del Rio's bond has also been returned. The case is officially closed and he is free and clear going forward from all criminal liabilities in regard to this case. I don't know why anybody's making a reference to MJF that he's similar or of a similar gimmick to Alberto Del Retard. I mean, social media is cancer. I mean, this we know, but I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. You wanted your five seconds of fame. There you go. Moving on. We got one more story here. We got Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff condemns the idea of Tony Khan 
winning the Wrestling Observer's Booker of the Year Award. Now, I, I don't know why Eric Bischoff is giving Tony Khan the light of day on his 83 Weeks podcast over a fictional award that he won where he does not receive an actual award, an award that was voted on not by Dave Meltzer, not by Brian Alvarez, not by anybody that works over at The Observer, but by its readers and listeners and subscribers. But Eric Bischoff condemns the idea of Tony Khan as Wrestling Observer's Booker of the Year, as if Dave Meltzer had anything to do with it. Tony Khan was given Best Booker of the Year, Best Promoter of the Year in Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter annual award announcement. This didn't sit well with Eric Bischoff. Maybe he never won the award. I don't know. Maybe that's why he is condemning Tony Khan. I don't know. Maybe he won the. Maybe Tony Khan won the award more than Eric Bischoff did. I don't know. This is what Bischoff says, and I quote, to suggest that Tony Khan was Booker of the Year, Promoter of the Year, when his company damn near imploded last year as a result of the piss-poor decisions, immature decisions, and nonsensical decisions that Tony Khan has made last year is a joke. He wouldn't just take Khan to task either with Dave Meltzer also coming under fire. I got to tell you, says Eric Bischoff, he's a liar, he's a fraud, he's a weak-minded person. He's been doing it for years. Some people are just seeing it now because things have changed now. We have this thing called podcasts. Bischoff has voiced his opinion of Meltzer's reporting in the past and stated that he, Bruce Pritchard, and Booker T are able to use their platforms to correct reports that Meltzer has made in the past as well as challenge what he says now. He would also refer to Meltzer as a disease for the way in which the wrestling industry is currently covered. Bischoff has been forthright in criticizing Tony Khan and AEW in the past, including suggesting that the company has a lack of storytelling. Seems like Eric Bischoff got played and is coming off like the mark he really is. Meltzer didn't vote for these awards. Meltzer has nothing to do with these awards. He just published, he, he just publicated or, or publicized these awards online because the fans voted. The readers voted. Well, Meltzer is probably in his office somewhere laughing about all the backlash these awards have received. Who cares? Who cares? Who won Booker of the Year? Who won Promoter of the Year? To me, it's a toss-up. Half of AEW's year was very good. The other half sucked. Half of WWE's year sucked. Half of it was better than what it was in years because Vince McMahon was retired and Triple H took over. As far as I'm concerned, it's a 50-50 split. But if you want my honest opinion, if you want my honest opinion, who, if you put a gun to my head, who was the booker of the year for 2022? I'd probably go with Triple H. I'd probably go with Triple H. I think Triple H did more to change WWE in the time that he was there since August than Tony Khan did all year. But you can't take away from what Tony Khan did in, in, in pro wrestling last year. Revolution was one of their best pay-per-views ever. CM Punk winning the world championship was a great decision. Him breaking his foot, not so much. Forbidden Door was one of the best wrestling pay-per-views that we've gotten in decades. 
You can't sit here and say Tony Khan, Dynamite has been largely a very good show. There haven't been near-perfect shows weekly. There have been misfires. But that doesn't mean Tony Khan can't book a show. Is there a lack of storytelling? Yes, there is. It's something that I've been openly critical about. Something that I think that they need to fix quick. But that doesn't mean Tony Khan is not, you know, deserving of some accolades for what he's done. I would just take Triple H. I think Triple H last year did a better job than Tony Khan did. If you're going to put a gun to my fucking head. Yeah. Anyway. That's all I got. It's all the news you got on this podcast tonight, man. I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me this evening on your Saturday nights. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up. We got 732 likes in the live stream chat. I'm going to need at least, or at least as close to 1,000 as we could possibly get. So make sure you guys do that for me. Memberships are open. Get them on in. And Super Chats, this is last call, guys. Get them on in. We're going to hang out in just a little bit. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you guys need to do is use that code JD at checkout. Pay the $5 shipping and handling, and you're going to get yourself a free sample, man. We talk about long-term booking. It's one of the big things that I talk about all the time, man. It's very important. Very important. You're going to do your own long-term booking when you take a couple of blue chew, man. You're going to be ready whenever the opportunity arises for the big show, man. You're going to be ready. Your creative is going to be right where it needs to be. And the process is very simple. You sign up at bluechew.com, and you are going to plan... Whenever you need, man, day or night, plan ahead. Be ready when the opportunity arises. Sign them at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. No questions asked. What is BlueChew? It's a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And it comes in chewable tablets. Comes at a fraction of the cost as well. And the best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Chew's tablets are shipped to you directly to your home in a very discreet package made in the USA. First impressions are everything, guys. I always talk about great first impressions. Not only are you going to get a great first impression, you're going to get a great lasting impression. And that first impression is going to start all over again. So why not give Blue Chew a try, man, for that extra confidence? BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys use that code. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. And you're going to get yours today for free. I want to thank them, as always, for sponsoring the podcast right here on Off The Script. Demon Hunter Vic with a new membership. Thank you, Demon Hunter. Appreciate you guys. Demon Hunter, what the fuck are you drinking, man? And you will be inside my mother's basement. 
in a couple of weeks, man. Thank you. Cody Snyder with a $20 Super Chat. We need the rise of Chad Gable this year. Long overdue. Get Tucker back for Otis. Put Gable with them. Sometimes for Alpha Alpha Machinery. Inexcusable. We haven't gotten an awesome singles run from Chad Gable. A la Angle. You know, I, I talked about this, man. Why don't we go back and bring Tucker Knight back to WWE and have him join the Alpha Academy? Put Tucker Knight and Otis back together as a tag team. Let Chad Gable go do a singles thing by himself. Problem solved. Problem solved. Thank you, Cody, with the $20 Super Chat. Chad Gable, I love Chad Gable. It's one of the best things about WWE programming. Cody Snyder, also with a $5 Super Chat. Had a feeling about Chad Gable recently. Unleash him. Imagine matches, feuds with Gunther, Riddle, Orton. I saw they want to push him too. Yeah. Beer Monkey and Jake Sizemore become new members. Thank you, gentlemen. What the fuck are you guys drinking this evening? Scott Woodford with a 499. House of Glory show looks like it's going to be a banger on the 10th. Yeah, but it's not going to be on Fight TV. Why? I have no idea. Something that I don't know about. Don't know what management's doing or thinking about, but right now it's not on Fight TV. And supposedly we're supposed to have YouTube content on the channel, and we don't have any YouTube content. I don't know, man. They don't tell me anything. Tenario with a $5 super chat. What's up, JD? Question. Which WrestleMania main event was worse? Cena Miz or Roman Triple H? I'm going to take both, Tenario. I thought they were both awful. Susan D'Ambrosio with a new membership. Susan, thank you for once again becoming a member tonight. Appreciate you. Tenario with a $5 super chat. JD, what big WrestleMania match do you think didn't deliver? That's a tough one, man. Um... The last one that might have not delivered. I'm sure it has something to do with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton. That sure as hell didn't fucking deliver. Roman Reigns, Undertaker, that didn't deliver. Triple H, Batista, that didn't deliver. There's a few of them. Captain Solo with a 20-month membership. What the fuck are you guys drinking, says Captain Solo? OTS for life, 1,000 likes minimum. I love me some Rhea Ripley, Jamie Hayter, and GG Dolan Booty Meat. Yeah! Says Captain Solo. Thank you, Captain Solo, for 20 months in the venue. Scott Woodford with a 199 decoy Pinot Noir is what he's drinking. Thank you, Scott. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. After WrestleMania, turn McIntyre heel. He's gotten stale. I don't think he's gotten stale. He's just lost. 
There really isn't anything for him to do anymore. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. Sammy and Cody are both great WWE superstars, but I think the real star is LA Knight. I think if given the chance, he could be the next Steve Austin. LA Knight's going to be great. Absolutely great. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat. I would pull the trigger on Cody at WrestleMania. You can't afford to risk injury or fan indifference to Cody if you wait until SummerSlam to make him chant. It's going to be tough. I don't feel like they've done enough to make me believe Cody should beat Roman Reigns. I think they made Cody look very weak on, on Friday night. Shaking Roman's hand, calling him sir, dusty, 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 all this nonsense. That, that's something that they really fucked up on. Thought it was a great segment. It's just the way that they went about it was just all wrong. Susan D'Ambrosio. $10 Super Chat. I know it says new member, but I just realized that I had to renew because I had to get a new bank card. Anyway, love what you're doing with the channel. Can't wait for my mother's basement. Thank you, Susan. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Uh, I, I, I I remember that happening to me, man. It was a fucking headache. My, my PS5 account got compromised. Ridiculous. Just make sure you guys set up two-factor authorization on everything you do, man. Black Wolf Inc. with a $10 super chat. After your observation on how Roman is still desired as the champion is far more spot on than you know. I think he should not lose the universal title at least until post-SummerSlam. It's very easy, Black Wolf. He could beat Cody, come Monday Night Raw, the Raw after Mania, give up the WWE title via a draft, if there is a draft. I don't think that there is, because we would have heard about it by now. Uh, And by the way, guys, I did not report on the Brock Lesnar retirement rumors, because it was debunked and not true at all. So uh, there's no reason in, in me talking about it when it is not true at all. Dark Hydra becomes a new member. Dark Hydra, what the fuck are you drinking? Money Senpai with a new membership. Money, what the fuck are you drinking? Tanario, one, two, eight, with a $5 super chat. Are you a fan of the band Creator? Yes, I am. My favorite album is Enemy of God. Mike NY with a 10-month super chat, 10-month VIP membership. Hey, yo. Thank you, Mike. Derek Anawaii with a 15-month membership. Oos, what's up, brother? Hey, Oos, I played this game called Mario Kart Tour. It's on mobile. It's amazing. You should try it out. Um, I've heard about that, bro. I've heard about it, man. I don't usually game on mobile, man. The only game I play on mobile is uh, Pokemon Go. Big, big, big into Pokemon Go. Uh, Glorious one with a 499 Super Chat. Not going to lie, I did notice they blurred out Vince's name on the posters. I thought I was tripping. Yeah, they did something. They did like an anagram of WrestleMania, I think. And put some fucking uh, jumbled name that uh, spells out WrestleMania. Ridiculous. 
Desi D TV with a five months. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. How's it going, bro? Just checking in on the IWC GOAT. Personally, in my opinion, WWE doesn't need Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. They don't. They don't. The show sold out. They don't need anybody. RJ Clutting with a seven months. Can't believe how much they've broken Bray in his return. Cody is great, but Sammy is still the biggest story. And in four weeks, it isn't enough for Roman to lose. No. I'm sure I'll be talking about this uh, a few more times. I wanted to talk about it tonight, but... Yeah, I'm going to let it sit. Uh, I'll talk about this. We'll we'll see what they do on Monday. I'm sure Cody's going to be on Raw Monday. I'm going to wait to see what they do. Shayla with a 23 months. I believe Papa H would have built Cody up better to take down Roman. This is a Vince match. You know, Shayla, I, uh, I am very tempted to say I agree with you. Honestly. The story is so fucking simplistic that a moron could write it. Dusty, dusty, dusty. It's ridiculous. They made Cody look like... Cody was obviously... Cody just jumped off the TV screen as inferior to Roman Reigns. That's all I got. I got Roman, final boss... Nobody should beat him. Cody, the son of a plumber, the son of Dusty Rhodes. That's all I got. That's a story to people? That's the story to... Dusty's creation versus the son of Dusty. That's the story? First of all, Roman Reigns is Vince McMahon's creation. It's not Dusty's creation. This is Vince's creation. So right there, you're, you're drawing a huge logic gap in the story. Thank you, Shayla. Ali with a 499. Hey, JD, did you get my last super chat I sent you? If not, my question was, if Jay White did come to WWE, who do you want him to be? Who do you want to be his first opponent? Let's have John Cena beat Austin Theory at WrestleMania and then Jay White beats uh, John Cena for the uh, United States Championship on the Raw after Mania. I doubt that's going to be the case, but one could think, one could dream. Sean Ray J with a seven months. Seven months of watching real hard-hitting, unbiased commentary and reviews. These are the best wrestling podcast on YouTube. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, Sean Ray J. I appreciate you, brother. Philip Newton with a 499. Looks like Endeavor sent WWE to their future endeavors, aka Saudis. Yeah. Zachary with a 999 super chat. If Roman beats Cody, I don't know what WWE is thinking. I think Cody will beat Roman at WrestleMania because Roman doesn't have to prove anything. Also, I don't want to see Roman pass 1,000 days as champ. I think, Zachary, you are in the minority on that one. WWE's done nothing to make me believe Cody should beat Roman Reigns. Face Claim with a new membership. Thank you, Face Claim. What the fuck are you drinking tonight, man? AWS Promotions with a seven-month membership. 
I know you're probably not a fan of Theory of a Dead Man and Skillet, but I've seen them live last night. Skillet Rock. I've seen Skillet live. I've seen Skillet live uh, supporting Alter Bridge. Not, not really my type of rock music, but they weren't bad. Live, anyway. Philip Newton with a four ninety nine. Lesnar doesn't surprise me, especially back in New Japan when he refused to put Nakamura over and was stripped of the IWGP championship. Yeah, the Brock Lesnar appeal is kind of worn thin, bro. Don't really care about Lesnar on WWE TV. Everything, everything that WWE's done, they've done to death with Brock Lesnar. The script keeper with two $5 super chats. Hey, JD, have you heard that TK is wanting to add more pay-per-views per year? I did not hear that. He's got to be careful with that, though. Those come at $50 price tags with $50 price tags. It's going to be a lot of money out of pocket to be buying seven, eight, nine pay-per-views per year. Plus Ring of Honor. Also, hey, JD, what is going on with the likes... It's like pulling teeth to get 1K likes. Hit the thumbs up. I don't know, man. Uh, Maybe I suck. Maybe I'm just terrible at my job. I don't know. You know, it used to be so easy to get 1,000 likes in here, man. It's like I say it, and people don't do it on purpose. I don't know what I got to do to prove that I deserve your like, but I think I said a lot and entertained you enough to prove that I do deserve your like, but whatever. Hit the like, hit the dislike. It all means the same fucking thing. People are watching the video and it all goes to YouTube and people are interacting with the video. So it really doesn't fucking make a difference to me. It is what it is. Anyway, guys, that's all I got for you. I thought this was a tremendous show tonight. We hit on some of the biggest topics in the in the community this week. Um, I did not have time to do uh, extras like I usually do. But I will be back as normal next week. This show usually happens on Sunday night live at 8 p.m. And I'm not allowed to do that this week because of AEW Revolution tomorrow. So if you guys are wondering why this show took place on Saturday night, why uh, you see this in your sub boxes tonight, why you're seeing this on Blue Wire and Spotify tonight, it's because of AEW Revolution, man. We got to get ready for the pay-per-view, and Jesse and I will be live after the show is over tomorrow night, man. So join us for what is going to be a raucous AEW Revolution review. I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out tonight on OTS. If you enjoyed the content, please hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go out and check out all the other content on the channel. It is on the homepage right now. You guys know the deal, man. Go and check all that shit out. Also, follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Also, Go check out my sponsor for tonight's show, Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout for your free sample. And go check out all the other content, man. Everything you need is on the homepage. Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, Friday Night SmackDown last night. We were live tonight. Tons of YouTube shorts. I'll be live on Sunday with Jesse for Revolution. Monday, I'll be back for Raw. 
Tuesday, I may actually do NXT, man. We got that Roadblock show. I may do NXT on Tuesday night. We'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys posted on that. Anyway, I appreciate you guys. Revolution should be a great show, man. Should be a banger show. Buried a live match with Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. The one-hour Iron Man match with MJF, Ryan Danielson. The Texas Death Match with John Moxley and Adam Page. Should be a banger show. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you tomorrow night. Revolution, RSVP to the venue. I need those ace emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. I need those rock on emojis in the chat. And I need that music on Max. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night live with Jesse right here in the venue for AEW Revolution on Off the Script.